Hello, State of America fans. This is one half of your hosting team, Ian Rice, here to let you know that all of our episodes will now be available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash State of America. So check us out there if you haven't already and keep enjoying the show. Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America, hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. Welcome back to State of America. This is one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and I am here with my co-host extraordinaire, Mr. David Hudson. David, how you doing? 10 out of 10, Ian. Excellent news, excellent news. And today we are going to be discussing another one of the albums in our uh, under-review uh, series. This is one of Rich's solo albums, his finest solo album, in my opinion, and uh, that is 2014's Ceaseless Sight, which... Um, it's just, uh, you know, again, a masterpiece. And um, I don't know, David, how does this one grab you? I think it's his best work. Uh, definitely his best work uh, post-Crows. Um, I, I really, really like it, especially, we'll get into it, there, there's a particular section of it that I just think is some of the best stuff he's ever done, period, regardless if it's Magpie or him or, uh, or, the, or the Crows. I will tell you that the previous two albums for me uh, had a lot of hits, but they had some misses as well. Uh, so when this one came out uh, in my head, kind of had it would probably be the same, but this one has a lot more hits than misses in my opinion. Uh, and I think it's his most complete album um, that, that he's done. And there's a couple of songs on there that I'll talk about that I think foreshadowed the magpie salute to be honest with you uh the way they were recorded and, and in the style but i cannot complain at all about it um it was just uh it was a step up in production it was a step up in his singing ability it was a step up in in playing so uh by all accounts uh it was an improvement from the first two i know a lot of people out there are really uh, fond of paper and uh, I think paper has its moments but I, it's not as high I don't hold it as high regard as a lot of other people do but that's what'll probably make this podcast uh, interesting is um, you know we all have different opinions on everything and music is so subjective there may be people out there honestly that don't like this album I don't know how you could be a crows fan and not like this album but uh, I suppose that could be the case but you were telling me yesterday on text and it, it kind of took me back when I was driving back from Missouri when I, I saw it you uh you said this is your favorite album of all time regardless of artist that is true and I, I thought when I told you that and there was a, a long pause I thought I might have driven you right off the highway there so <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah I, that is definitely true and um I spent a lot of time with this record when it came out um it was you know, I, I've always been a big fan of Rich's solo work from, you know, from Jump Street and, uh, you know, starting with the Live at the Knitting Factory album and, uh, you know, even the Hookah Brown stuff that led into that. And um, when this one came out, it was just the right amount of time for me to listen to it back and forth on my way to work. So it, it came out in the summer and for that entire summer, every day I listened to this album and I never got tired of it. And, uh, you know. I think my wife had to take it away from me at one point. You know, I was just getting desperate. She said, "I can't take this record anymore." But it it definitely, I, I much like you said, I don't see a miss on this album, and it um, it's just perfection to me. And it really, you know, I'm not saying that it. I don't love other records, you know, almost to the same level. But this one always, I, I always come back to it, and it's just, it's it's perfect to me. That's cool how you can have an album that means that much to you and you take something away from it that maybe other people's don't, which is that in a way that other people's don't, don't, do not. Sorry, I'm tongue-tied. Uh, I love that about music. I love that about podcasting because you get to hear other people's opinions on things. So I love it that it's your favorite album of all time. I think we may have some decent back and forth on a few tracks and you may convince me, you may convince me that I'm wrong. 
uh, on a few of them. So uh, we'll see how that goes. I just uh, I do want to just slip in there for the you know the diehard Black Crows folks that are obviously tuning into this show. Uh, Three Snakes is a very close second. Okay, so don't uh, don't crucify me yet. But uh, I I just more so than like you said more so than the albums prior to it and even the one that followed it. You know, it was it's going to sound like a weird thing to say, but because it's such a great record, but Flux almost let me down a little bit because. I was hoping for like ceaseless sight too, like in terms of I'm going to love this record as much as I love that one. And, you know, it's just, it's, that's unrealistic. That's, you know, it's probably foolish of me to think that, you know, because every record rich to his credit, every record, he tries to change it up a bit. So, you know, he's not trying to stay um, repetitive, you know, he's not ACDC or something, you know, do you know if this was one of the ones he had to go back and re-record the the vocals on after the uh, fire in New Jersey? I know he did on paper. No, I think paper was the only one okay. he had to recut vocals for. Um, it was when when Flux was coming out, uh, 2016. That's when uh, Eagle took in all his other solo releases and re-released them on vinyl and stuff, and added some bonus tracks. But Ceaseless Sight was the only one that didn't carry over because I think it was still under license to. Uh, the end records because Rich kind of was having like one album deals with these record companies. It seemed like. And you've got a signed copy, right, of one of the of, of the vinyl? Yeah, I saw I saw Rich on on this tour, um, in a place called I believe it's in more than multiple cities, but it's called the City Winery, and there's one right in Manhattan, you know, down on the, in a quiet uh, area, you know, well away from the hustle and bustle. And uh, I it was one of the only times I ever did, and probably one of the only times I ever would pay for the, like the meet and greet thing because I just I, I needed to, you know. Uh, meet rich and just uh thank him basically that was my goal to meet him and say thanks a lot you know for all the music you've, you've given me and uh, you know this at record in particular and it really means a lot to me and i was such a dope when i met him too i was holding ceaseless sight and crooked sun under my arm you know i just i had bought them at the uh the merch table and i was just talking to him and i, I it didn't even occur to me let's have him sign the albums which is what i bought him for but i was just so interested in talking to him he had to ask me. He's like, uh, "Do you want me to sign your records?" You know. So, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I have that framed. It's right above my head right now. So, how was your interaction with him? Rich was very, very cordial. I mean, he's you know he was always known as the quieter one of the two Robinson brothers, and he wasn't. He was, but he's very respectful to his fans, and and even you know because you're standing waiting. He was like in the, it was in the basement of this joint, and. He was in a, a like a conference room kind of looking thing, and everybody else was lined up outside. So you went in and you had a little moment with him, you know, and it was private. You weren't in front of everybody, and you could take a photo and everything, which I did. But I watched him like through the because it was a window. I could watch him through the window, and he was like very willing to talk to people and very you know respectful of their time and thankful that they had come to the show. And to me, he was very nice. I mean, you know, and uh, I was probably my wife told me I looked like. Uh, a, you know, a deer in headlights. Like I was starstruck, and I probably was. But you know, I thought I was being cool, but I guess not. You know, but uh, he was—he was just a nice guy all around. I've always t- taken from him that he's a guy that appreciates it when people appreciate the music and not necessarily the celebrity. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was saying to him. Was just, you know, your music. I, I I think I said you know your music means a lot to me, and I, I thank you. You know, and I think that uh, you know he seemed like pleased by that, and. Well, because he has people he feels that way about. Right. You know, to have somebody walk up to you giving you that feedback that you have towards somebody else, I mean, it's got to be kind of a a surreal thing for him, you know? It would go to my head, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but uh, I mean, and my experiences with with Mark Ford were the same way. Mark is like the most humble guy I've ever met. But, you know, they're they're both, I could see why they've come back together and done the magpie and gotten along so well later in life is they're both very similar in their appreciation for their fans and their approach to music. Like they're really into music, you know? So I guess we should really get into, uh, breaking this one down as we have in the past. Um, the album opens with a track called, uh, I know you, which was kind of like the, the forefront singer. Yeah. 
I really enjoyed the track. I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? I thought it was a great way to open the album. It's a it's a straight ahead rocker, no doubt about it. Uh, not nearly as in, the playing's not nearly as intricate as some of the other songs. Um, I loved it. I loved it when I heard it. It it does not necessarily set the tone for the rest of the album because there's not a lot of just what you would think of as classic, not classic rock, but classic sounding rock songs. Uh, I, but I thought it was a great thing to lead with. The I thought Joe Magistro's drumming on it uh, brought a lot to the song, as he does on a lot of the songs on this album. Uh, this is a this is just a, a really good song, probably a top ten rich solo song for me. Yeah, I mean, and, and uh, you know, I'd have to agree. And his vocal delivery on this one is uh, is killer. It's like real, real gritty almost. You know what I mean? And, and you know, not that it, it deviates from his sound, but it's just the the way he he he. And it, it is a really nice opener to the record. But you're right; it's not really in you know indicative of what's to come. But you know, much like we had discussed. Um, about the New Earth Mud record a couple of episodes back, um, it's a kind of this is a kind of record that kind of goes through a, diff- a couple of different styles, and uh, uh, that's one of the things I like about it. Because you it, going from I Know You, it goes right into Down the Road, which is it shifts gears to acoustic and you know, goes into a whole other realm there. I, I, as far as the tracks on the album goes, um, Down the Road is probably one of my top on the album, and another one that's probably a top rich track for me overall. How about you? I really like it a lot. I have in my notes here that it sounds like it could have been a Magpie song. Um, and I'll, the the knock on the song for me is, and this isn't a knock on Rich at all, it's just certain people, their voices have a sweet spot in, 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 in other places. Sometimes it can sound kind of vulnerable. I thought some of the singing during the verses, it just, it sounded a little, a little weak to me, but the chorus was, is really good and it more than makes up for it. And I have a note on here, the guitar solo, um, this may not be the proper way to describe it, but it's kind of a more aggressive sounding guitar solo for Rich that, than what he normally does. Um, I feel like, again, as a non-musician, a lot of his solos, he's kind of just layering, like putting textures down and, and, and playing with the song. I felt like the solo on this was a little more aggressive. I really liked it. This is, you know, this is two songs in a row that are that are really really good. Uh, it's a uh, it's it's an amazing song. So we're two songs in, and I have no complaints. Yeah, I mean it's just uh, I actually was just uh, recalling in my mind, and I think I heard it so many times. But that, the chorus is a uh, you know a tricky lyric, and it's uh, you know uh, I'm either gonna be impressive right now, and I'm gonna make a fool out of myself. But I, it's uh, down the road you leave behind the world you never knew you didn't need to find. See, I got it exactly. <laughs> But that's that's such a cool lyric to me. I I I really that drew me in. I, I think that's such a cool thing. And then coming off that um, is another single from the album. And this I might have been mistaken before when I said I know you was the lead single. That uh, one road hill is the next song. Wasn't it released as like an alternate version as the as a single or like an all yeah. acoustic or something like that? Yeah, it was a uh, like an MP3 only kind of thing put up there. Like promo wise. I saw my same away. The fall fell short, came back to me. Now it seems he's here to stay. The Feeling good 
to me, it's the song that sticks out the most as not really fitting in with the rest of the record. And oddly enough, he doesn't play it live all that much. And, uh, you know, uh, it, which was always odd to me. I mean, I, I, I like the song. I, it's, it's cool. And it, it kind of introduces, uh, uh, Katrine Otteson and, um, uh, you know, as a back, a backup singer. And, uh, she contributes a lot to the song, which I thought was great. Uh, you know, and her relationship with, with them would continue through the magpie, obviously. But, uh, I don't know, like, what were your thoughts on the song? All right. So in my notes here, uh, the first word I have layers, exclamation point. Yeah. Many layers musically and vocally uh, on the song. Um, this is the, the backing vocals, like you said, that he uses on this are really, really good and to me elevate the song. And I have here the chorus, and this isn't a knock on the chorus, this is a good thing. I have the chorus sounds like it could be a good campground, a good campfire song. Uh, yeah, you know that's a that's a fair point on that one. Yeah, yeah and so uh, it uh, I was listening to it. I, I haven't listened to this album all the way through in a long time, and so I, I had like a seven hour drive yesterday, and my wife was listening to uh, Game of Thrones, uh, the, the audible version of the books, and so she had her earbuds in, and I cranked Ceaseless Sight, and on this song when I was driving, I was trying to make some mental notes on each song, and I was like, the chorus really sounds like something you would sing around a campfire. And uh, I thought that was kind of cool. I I think it's three out of three great songs, or at least very good or great. The first three songs, yeah, I, absolutely. And um, yeah, you can't knock it. I mean, that, it's, I'm just thinking about what you just said. It really is kind of like that feel good kind of group sing along kind of deal. I mean, that's great, right? <laughs> but the uh, I, I will have to say that the the track that that follows it is my is my ultimate favorite on the record. And it's it's become one of those tracks that I hope for in concert. Um, coincidentally, probably the closest to a crow's type sound that you might you might get, and that's uh, the giving key. So we're getting to the part of the album that I think it's one home run after another. And uh, as far as songwriting goes, I think this is the best song that Rich has ever written. Um, it is simply amazing. The uh, What I like about it is the verses. There's a lot going on in the background, but it's still kind of loose. But there's, there's some layers. But when uh, the female vocalist, and I forgot to write her name down... Um, she adds so much kind of behind his voice. You know, she is, it seems like she's almost a half step behind him and it just adds a lot. And my only gripe on it, the, the solo doesn't do a whole lot for me, but um, it, like you said, it would be a tremendous Black Crow song. Has kind of a, the intro kind of has a sometimes salvation feel to it. Yes. But, you know the version that he has on the Woodstock sessions um, is great. Uh, it sounds so good live. I just think this is rich at his absolute finest vocally and from a songwriting standpoint. From what I understand, the background vocals on this were primarily handled by um, again uh, Katrine Otteson, which is uh, Joe Magistro's uh, girlfriend. If anybody didn't uh, wasn't aware yeah. of that, which I didn't find out till Magpie hit you know got together, but. Uh, and then also, I believe on this one was Amy Helm, uh, Levon Helm's daughter. Okay, yes, you're exactly, a, you're right. Yeah, it was a talent in her own right. Um, you know, but uh, I I don't like I hate identifying people as like oh that's Levon Helm's daughter because she's obviously achieved some artistic uh, uh, success on her own. But uh, yeah, I I, I love this song and uh, I, I I will admit to you, I guess I'm admitting to everybody really, but uh, um, I heard this in concert. I believe it was with the Magpie. And it's one of those songs, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, David, but, uh, and it's only happened to me a handful of times, but I'll get a song in concert that I really love, 
and it'll it hits you in a certain way where it's it almost like overwhelms you like emotionally and like i it, this song brought a tear to my eye in concert standing there i felt like an idiot but at the same time it was it was a, the greatest one of the greatest things i've ever had in a concert so i mean i i i could never knock this song in a million years you know no it's just it's just it's amazing and yeah i've had those experiences with um with you know with them and, and a lot of other bands I saw um, Ron Adams one time, and he has a song called Fix It that was off the Cardinology album. And uh, it was kind of like that in concert, and the Crows have done it numerous times. And sometimes it's songs that I don't necessarily even really really even like. It's just how they're played and, I guess, um, uh, you know, how the band is putting that little extra umph to it and, and with Chris's vocals. For instance, like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of uh, Ballad and Ballad and Urgency, but I've seen it live and it really moved me. And so, uh, yeah, I, that's cool. But uh, that that's always fun. You go to a show and that happens. Yeah, I mean, what, you know, I'm, just, I'm trying to call to mind any other time that might have happened. Uh, one I remember is um, it was at the Brothers of a Feather tour in 06 uh which was one of the shows in the city and it's the it's the cover that and it's only the the way that chris and rich do it is their cover of little feet's roll them easy that one always gets to me too oh that is great on that yeah i I was actually listening that the other day it's it's that's that's fantastic but uh so it, it would be hard to like keep the momentum going after that song for me but you know luckily the next song that comes up is um, This Unfortunate Show. Initially, when I first started listening to the album, I didn't know how I felt about the song, but it really grew on me quickly, and I, I, I really liked the uh, the the way that the uh, the verse is a little bit more subdued, and then the chorus is a little bit more, you know, uh, dynamically louder and things like that. I, you know, I, it does. Uh, it's a great tune, and I've seen it both with his solo band, and I, I believe the Magpie did it too, and it, and it comes off well in concert, which is a great thing too. Yeah, like I said, this is the second part of the home run section of, of the album for me. I like the, the cadence with which he delivers the lyrics. Um, and I love it when Rich sings in a low voice and he does at times on this song. I, I really like that, but man, it's kind of classic rich at times with kind of these odd chord progressions and tempos and tunings. Um, and, and the course is just, just amazing. Um, so we're what five songs in and still not a bad song. And this one is one that I always go to when I listen to this album. Um, because like I said, I don't really listen to it front to back. I haven't done that in a long time. So I have it on some playlists and this is one, I think this is a top five rich solo track for me. Yeah. I mean, you can't, again, it's kind of becoming a repetitive theme for us on this one, but you you can't knock it. I mean, it's, it's solid and every track up to this point is solid and you know it certainly doesn't slow down when in comes the night uh comes up
very big fan of this song. Um, it kind of changes. It brings the tempo down a little bit at this point in the album, which is kind of almost like a live show, really. Like you have a few and it's kind of brought it down a little bit, a little breather. But it's a great tune. I mean, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I think it's another one of the great ones uh, on the album. And in my opinion, the chorus is his best vocal work ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand why you would think that it definitely is strong. This is the song more so, and I kind of held back to mention this until this point, because this is the one where I, I, I pick up on it the most. But there's a, a kind of a a thing that goes through the entire album. It's very atmospheric. There's like a, I don't know, maybe it was the time of year it was released for me or something, but it feels like, you know, like a summer vibe to it and things like that like it's just it sometimes you hear music and the way it's recorded is very okay that was done in a studio and it sounds like a studio recording and this almost has like a an atmosphere floating around it that make that gives it like this breathing space and uh, i always think that's very cool in a lot of recordings i don't know if i'm making any sense on that no it, but, it, uh, it definitely it definitely I, I know where you're coming from with that with kind of the vibe you get from it yeah and that um that's that's where that kind of starts and I just love that about this record. It's one of the things that constantly drew me back to it. But uh, the next song gets a little uh, funk soul in it a little bit, and I, I think that's cool, and, and only the way that Rich can. And the keyboards on this thing by um, by Mark Benevento, uh, unbelievable. on it. And that's a track called Inside. This is for me where the album kind of grinds to a halt a little bit for a couple of songs. Um, I, I'm just not a fan of the song. I'll admit it's got kind of a cool groove uh, to it, and it's got you know the bongos and, and everything. But it, the chorus for me on this one, I'm just not a fan of. And this is one. I, this is one I skip. Yeah, is a skip for you? I'm, I'm surprised because yeah. because uh, you, you I you know in talking about the uh, the New Earth Mud, and you were saying about the. Uh, you know, the funk elements and, uh, you know, I get it was more vocally probably, but, uh, I don't know. I thought this was, this was Rich's kind of funkier side to it, but yeah, I can, the, the chorus is, a, it, you know, it, it's just basically inside being repeated, you know, right. and, uh, but it's the, it's the breakdowns between that, that I, I kind of enjoy. But, uh, I, as far as the entire track list goes, a weaker point in the track list, you know, I get that. But to, uh, to me, it may not have stood out so much in that manner had the other songs not been so good. Right. Well, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to get, you know, pummeled for six songs and then and all of a sudden you're halted. So you know, it's something that maybe right. doesn't resonate with you as much. So it's, like, it's kind of like uh, the saying, you've got to have a bad day to make you appreciate the good days. Exactly. But, um, I don't know. I'm a little nervous because, uh, you kind of just alluded to that the, the next couple weren't so great for you. And, uh, I, uh, the, the next song on the album was, uh, I have a feeling. Bring us all together. 
I like this song. I, it's the, I like Rich's guitar work on it. And somebody at the time mentioned like, oh, it sounds kind of like a little George Harrison-y. And with that in mind, it kind of it brought a little different perspective to the song for me. But I, I just really like his kind of, uh, I guess it's a, um, like a wah pedal effect on the guitar. Right. Which I, I, I like that. That's kind of what brings me to that song. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing... Uh, it's not kind of, so much for you, huh? Yeah, I mean, I can appreciate the the, the groove that it has, but for me, it just never really goes anywhere. Um, I, it's really all I all I really have for that. It's just just it just never has done anything for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that. I, in in thinking about it, it kind of does. The song just kind of peters out at the end. You know what I mean? It's not a defined ending or anything like that. It is almost more of a a, a jam kind of situation. But I, I like his. Um, vocal on it and there's some straight piano work that's on it that's really nice to me well it's um, it's a song that i could see live being better than it is on the album I, I think it had it would have some room to grow and they could probably add a little bit to it but on the album it just it's i would say it and inside are probably my two least favorite yeah i mean i definitely live i could see that the, the, the trouble with live um for rich a lot of the times is and I'm sure it has to do with the uh, financial aspect of taking a band out on on the road when, you know, when you're not at, you know, when you don't have a, uh, you know, a road tested name, you know, you're just a a member of a band. You know, a lot of people just, you know, I, I don't know if you ever noticed when the solo gigs for both of them are, are, are booked or even Mark or anybody, a lot of the posters say, you know, of the Black Crows or something. Right. They trade out the name, and a lot of people just go see names they recognize you know right. so it's, it's so a lot of times live rich didn't have a full enough band to kind of carry off well there were the, t- there were times it was just him on guitar right yeah i mean his the the paper tour was him um you know a drummer and a bass player and a bass player primarily was uh, gordy johnson and big sugar uh, you know but it was a lot of times a trio maybe a, a keyboard player you know um I, I kind of was spoiled a little bit because when he would come through cities like New York, which is you know a major city, um, a lot of times in those cities he would pick up a couple extra members or have guests come in, you know, and flesh out the sound a little bit. But I always felt like he wasn't given the opportunity live to do with a lot of these songs what could be done because he didn't have a full enough band, which is a shame. You know? That's a valid. That's a valid point. Now, what do you think of uh, the next track? I remember. You have here in my notes. Now we're picking back up. I have on it is the backing vocals during the chorus uh, to me take away from it it's just something about them they just seem I don't know they fall kind of flat on these ears but other than that it's a great song um, and it, it definitely in my opinion picked up from where the other two uh, kind of fell behind yeah I mean I think the chorus you know, uh, you know I've been with a person once and watched you know them disappear and it's very strong it reminds me of the vocal take I've, I've heard rich push himself the most on which actually is on through a crooked sun is uh, standing on the surface sun, surface of the sun where he sings i don't feel good today and he just hammers that home this comes very close to that for me and 
that's why I um, enjoy the song. That that those background vocals, I can't appreciate what you're saying about that. You know what they remind me of though? They remind me of the way they open. I think it's Greasy Grass River live. That you're exactly intro. you're exactly you're exactly right. And I think that's why I kind of liked them. But uh, yeah, I could see how they might get in the way. It, it almost is like they're not maybe not necessary on the song. Like it would have been just as strong without it. You know, the the next track is a big one for me. It's a it's a more subdued track, and it was called In You. For me, it's the background vocals on this track, the harmonies that Rich is basically doing himself. Um, I love it. I love it. I don't know. I don't know if they resonate with you, but I no, you basically took the words out of my mouth. I honestly though had forgotten about this song until I listened to it uh, yesterday, and I listened to it a couple of times today. Uh, I think it's one of the stronger songs on the album, and uh, it's got, like you said, it's got a great chorus with uh, great backing vocals, which add a lot to this song, whereas in some of the other songs, it took away from it. Uh, you know, I, I really think you, in my opinion, if you cut inside, I have a feeling out, uh, and one other, we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, you have a, a top to bottom, stronger album. And this one, I think fits right in with the, uh, giving key through, uh, in comes the night section is, as one of the strongest songs. Oh, absolutely. It definitely, uh, you know, out of the 12 tracks, I would put this in the top, you know, three or four. Um, but I know what you're going to say is the one that can be cut. And I'm, I'm, I, if I was a bet man, I would bet it is the next track, Trial and This is why I'm not a betting man. You know? All right, you're you're wrong. Uh, I actually like it a lot, and I've got a comparison to make to it that I think some people are going to say I'm out of my head. They may say I'm out of my head as well. It to me has a latter day Oasis feel to it with the drumming and the kind of odd tempo. Uh, the last two Oasis albums, Noel was writing some really unique stuff, and. Uh, the, uh, the, the like I said, the drumming and, and the rhythm to it reminded me of some of that uh, latter day Oasis stuff. Now, not the vocals or anything like that, just kind of what they were doing there when they recorded it. And uh, Noel went on to have some of those sounds on his first solo album. Uh, the his latter albums have moved away from an Oasis sound, which I, I like them all. He's one of my favorite artists. But yeah, I really like it a lot. I, I don't, I don't have any complaints with it. So I'm, I'm guessing you don't feel as strongly about it. No, and it's, it's not that I don't like it. It's just for me, out of the twelve tracks, this one would finish twelve. Oh, okay. And I, I like what Joe Magistro does, percussion wise and drum wise, and I just think it, I, to me, it never fully gets off the ground. It's a shame because there's so many great elements in it, but like as a song for me, it never just, it wouldn't be one that I was begging to hear in concert or anything like that, you know? Right. But uh, 
I'm surprised. I really thought that that yeah. was the one you were gonna. So which it's the next which one, one was it then? Obscure. The final track yeah. is a few. Yeah. Is it because it's an instrumental? It's yeah. called uh, "Obscure the Day." I'm just not a big fan of instrumental songs unless it's something just really like Thorns Progress or something like that. Or even like if you're familiar with Widespread Panic, they have a song called Disco and one song called The Takeout that I really like. Otherwise, when I think instrumental, I kind of want to hear I want to hear somebody shred, you know, like a Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, something like that. Now, I can appreciate the different textures and layers on this song and and. And uh, I can appreciate that. It's just not something I want to listen to for like whatever it is, four and a half, five minutes without there being a payoff vocally. For instance, um, my morning song. Sometimes the when they would jam it out there, you would have a couple of minutes in there it could get, for me, get kind of tedious where it was just kind of them tinkering around and, you know, Steve's just kind of piddling on the drums back there. But there was, you had to go through that to get to the sunrise section and it paid off with the big chorus. It paid off with, you know, Chris ad-libbing, um, um, you know, those lyrics and, and, and really building to something. Same thing with Wiser Time and uh, even if Thorns Progress builds. So, but they are, there was always a payoff vocally and some type of intensity, but there's just not that's not there with this. And so for me, um, I would have I would have left I would have left it off. You know, it's funny it's funny you say that. I, I I'm a I'm a fan of of instrumental stuff. Um, you know, by and large, if it that that's if it's an entire record of it, you know, if it's like this is intended to be an instrumental record, and I, I can get behind that, especially more. Um, acoustic based stuff which this one is the thing that really tied me into um obscure the day is i'm not sure if you know about this or not because i'm surprised at how many people don't but if you bought this record and you and you ordered it online it came with an ep called the dirigible utopia i've got it and it's four instrumental tracks and for the purposes of listening into the car I took both of them, ripped them to my computer, and put it because they fit on one disc. And if you listen to this through, and then it hits "Obscure the Day," and then goes into those four other instrumental tracks, it works when they're all together like that. And that's what made me kind of appreciate the song. Otherwise, I do have a tendency if it's an album with vocals and things like that. I do have a tendency to to kind of go by something like this last track. But that's how it was able to work for me from that that EP. I don't. What do you think about that EP? It, do you like that more? because it's intended to be an instrumental right, thing. Right, right, right. You know, going yeah. in, that's what it is. Yeah, or you just you just need, like, Cliffs of Dover every time you have an instrumental, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you know with, with a hook and things like that, you know? Yeah, uh, um, yeah, in agreement <laughs> with you on that. Yeah. I mean, I just, altogether, a great album to me, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that uh, you, you, you appreciate this album and didn't... Uh, you know, uh, cast me to the wolves when I told you it was my favorite album of all time. You know? No, not at all. To each his own, and uh, it's not a. I don't think it's a bad album at all. I think it's a great album. So uh, I was I was glad that you picked this topic, and I had fun talking about it, and had fun going back and re-listening to it. Yes, and um, you know, I, I just I can't say enough great things about this album. I hope that it will you know entice people to go back and listen to it, or give it a shot if they really weren't into you know rich's solo stuff or they heard something prior and it didn't really strike a chord with them maybe this will be the one and i I really think it's something that everybody needs to at least hear once in terms of uh you know we normally uh 
send things along with a song. And I had one kind of, I didn't run this by you beforehand, so I hope it's okay, David. Yeah. But, uh, I, uh, I just wanted to send us out with the, and you had mentioned it earlier, with the Woodstock Sessions version of The Giving Key. I thought that's a perfect way to uh, close this one out, if that's okay with you. Sounds great to me. All right. So I really want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in this week and, and tuning in every week. And we really appreciate it. And uh, until next time, stay tall.
Hello, State of America fans. This is one half of your hosting team, Ian Rice, here to let you know that all of our episodes will now be available on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash State of America. So check us out there if you haven't already and keep enjoying the show. Hello. 